Welcome to the Ryan and Nate's Business Podcast. Come listen to these two blue-collar business guys. Nate, your go-to automotive repairer, and Ryan, your local heating and air contractor, talk about business, how to help you, and hear stories from our local unsung heroes. Community matters to them, and so does a healthy business. Here's Ryan and Nate. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan and we have Jonathan today on the podcast. What's up, Jonathan? Hello, fellas. Jonathan is uh, the owner of Handy uh, Hands-On Painters, a local painting and interior remodeling business in the Hailthorpe Arbutus area in Maryland. Jonathan is a friend of mine. Uh, we share a love for bicycles, old trucks, the outdoors, um, and everything in between. Um, he started this company 25 years ago. Um and I didn't go over this with you before, Jonathan, but I got this off of your website. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about this. But as as far as I understand, if I read it right, you, you started this company to pay your mom back. Oh, geez. I think we wrote that wrote that up uh, 25 years ago. On my first I, I did website. my research, man. I went to your yeah. website. I was like, I've known this guy for a long time, but I didn't know this story. So we don't have to talk about it, but I put it in here. Um, uh, no, no. And and so what you guys do, I've seen, I've, <laughs> I've seen your work. You make people fall in love uh, with their houses again after you make them beautiful. Um, yeah. Thanks for joining us today. Um, this is, you're, you're one of our first people that we're having on the podcast. That's uh that's a business owner, but that's actually the goal of this whole company. We've done a couple recordings um, with people, um, different service providers that we have that we, that we endorse, but the real like heart of this podcast is all about um, local businesses, people that are in telling their hero story, hearing about how they started something. Um, and in order to employ uh employ people to do their best work. Um, so there's a unique skill set that it takes to run and grow a business. And you've been at this for a while now. So it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, uh, just your, your journey so far, like how you got to where, you, I mean, it's a, it's a big, long story cause it's 25 years, but, uh, it started with paying your mom back. Yeah. So, um, that goes back to, um, I just finished a stint teaching out in New Mexico and, uh, I finished up a teaching contract and uh, a buddy of mine that I went to Towson state university with, um, had suggested that we, uh, bike across country and, uh, on bicycles. And we were avid mountain bikers at the time and hadn't done a lot of touring or road biking, but, uh, I was gung ho um, saved up a little bit of money, bought a bike and some gear. We headed out on a 77 day journey across the country, wow. just pretty much camping. And, uh, you know, in, 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 I don't know, uh, side of the road, uh, old forest service roads, grabbed the motel once in a while. But, uh, long story short, I came back a couple thousand dollars in debt and I started doing some odd jobs, um, just around the neighborhood you know, just for friends, family, neighbors, and, uh, how to, you know, pay my mom back for that credit card bill I racked up. So you didn't, uh, you didn't start out with, to start this company, you didn't, you didn't start out with like grand vision. It started slow out of necessity. It sounds like. Well, it, it was a little bit of necessity. Um, I was applying 
the same time to go get my uh, graduate degree in special education at Hopkins. And I had a job lined up with the Kennedy Krieger Institute to work with special needs students. Um, and, uh, and, and I had about three months to kill before these two uh, adventures uh, into education were about to kick into gear. Uh, I had a whole summer. And so doing the odd jobs slowly, slowly but surely led to painting. And what I realized very quickly was there are very few younger people um, back in the mid to late 90s that were going into the painting profession. And I would show up at a, a old Duron paint store uh, in Wild Lake in Columbia, Maryland. And I was the youngest person by easily 30 to 35 years. Um, everyone was older. And uh, there was just an endless amount of work. And uh, so from that point on, uh, we, uh, I grabbed a buddy I had grown up with in high school who was working at Home Depot. And I asked him to help me you know, do some jobs. And I got to tell you, we did, we did not know what we were doing. We had no clue. Um, we didn't even know what caulk was. It was, it was hilarious, but we figured it out. And, um, we, uh, hired some local high school kids and then slowly a couple local pros to come on with us. And, uh, and hands-on painters was born in 1997. So a lot of people's story is they start all as a technician of, you know, and I use that term in a generic way, the technician starts all by themselves doing something, but it sounded like you started pretty quickly with hiring people. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of uh, labor involved with painting. I mean, painting is 85% of pretty much any, any project that we do. Um, where if you're uh, a mechanic, you have, you know, parts are expensive where you're putting HVAC system, the system's expensive where painting is extremely labor intensive. Um, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed working with people. I had a background in experiential education and working with uh, groups. Um, so managing people was already my skill set, uh, jumping into this and communicating uh, was another skill set that I had. Um, I have a degree in psychology from Towson and I had a lot of stage time in high school. So being on stage or talking to people or, um, communicating, uh, came naturally to me. So, um, I quickly, you know, filled that role and making it rain per se, selling jobs and, and gathering people to help paint and, uh, kept on moving forward. Yeah, in my industry, um, which is heating and air conditioning, um, <clears throat> most of the time the best owners are the owners that don't know anything. Um, not to say you don't know anything about what you're doing, but in my industry in particular, the the ones that come from, oh, I was a salesman and I started a HVAC company are typically wildly more successful because, and I can speak to it for myself, when there's a problem I know how to fix it so I can go out there and fix it. But if there's a problem and I don't know how to fix it, well, I have to do the business end of putting the structure in place um, uh, to be able to fix it. Um, so it's, there's definitely a di big difference between, you know, putting structure in place to solve the problem or just being the guy to, you know, go do it. So kudos to you. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. Um my best painters should not be selling. You know, they should not be out there 
um, crunching numbers. It's not what a, it's not what they're good at because they don't choose to be good at it. They're not good at it because they, their brain doesn't work that way. They're, they're very visual. Um, they're very hands on, uh, you know, to be punny with the name of the company. Um, they're creatives, uh, they're creatives in a way they can look at, um, uh, if it's, if they're doing, you know, a painting or a repair on drywall, or if they're uh, doing some carpentry, uh, they're creative people. And, uh, it's almost like, you know, an artist and they're an artist in their trade. Uh, some, a lot of times that doesn't transmit to someone who communicates well, or is great at, you know, figuring out what things cost. And I'm not saying that's impossible, but everyone has, you know, a role. And, um, we try to find good fits for people when they come to the company. Yeah. You, um, you've been doing this for a while. So have you, have you run into people, um, in, in leading them at, at work where I, I, I feel like there's this unsaid expectation that I don't, I don't know if it's ever overtly said, but people assume like, Oh, those that are doing the technical work, like it's actually like a promotion to become, to move up into management and to move up into sales and then to move up into being an owner of a company. And, and there, I guess there is some sort of a, in some sense, there's, there's, there is a bit of a hierarchy, but sometimes what I, what I think I hear you saying is that people have a skill set that fits something. And so I'm wondering if you, if, if you ever had anyone that felt like they wanted, like they had in their head, like, oh man, it'd be great if I wasn't out in the field anymore and I was in sales. Um, and that you had to like talk them down off of that or. Yeah. Something tells me that you learned what you just said through experience. Um, I guess that's why I'm asking the question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I've had a lot of, um, I don't see a lot. I've had a, a strong, you know, a handful of guys who have been technicians in the field that wanted to get into more management positions where they were the lead technician. They were the crew leader, the foreman, the manager, the field manager, whatever you want to call that. And um, I definitely give them stepping stones to, to reach that goal. Um, show me this for the next two months. Show me some productive numbers for the next three months. Um, and then I'll walk them through know the inner workings of the office and the communication professional and how to communicate professionally. Um, and that does work out because if someone comes to you and says, Hey, I want to do something different than what I'm doing. And I think I can do it. You got to grab onto that. You got to yeah. take that person and give them that opportunity because they won't a, uh, they get stagnant. They're not going to be happy or they're going to leave and find someone to give them what they want. Mm. And my job is to give everyone what they want to keep everyone happy. And even at the cost of me being completely miserable sometimes, hmm. um, because the idea is if the employees are happy, my clients are happy. Eventually at the top of that pyramid, I will be the happiest because <laughs> everyone's doing what they're supposed to. And I will have as little problems as possible. Hmm. And that's my goal every single day for 25 years. Yeah. I think sometimes finding the, finding the right seat on the bus for people, um, it can take sometimes a couple tries. You might have that person that says, Hey, I think I want to be in management. And then I, I, man, I, I've always celebrated that person that has come back later going, you know what, actually, I would actually rather continue to work with my hands. And, you know, for me, I'm coming from the automotive industry. So, you know, they, I want to go back and turn in wrenches. 
Um, I have a lot of respect for that. Or I, or you see that person flourish and they, and they did, they, they took all those stepping stones. They took your advice and they moved forward and, um, and they, uh, you know, took, it's, it's a whole new skill set to be able to manage, um, to be able to lead, to be able to communicate. Um, and you're not judged, um, your, your productivity isn't judged just by the amount of work that you turn out. It's more, it's, it's a little more intangible. It's, it's, um, you're, you're, you're judged by the way you can create a team at that point when you start to manage. Sure. It's, you know, I also find, I mean, I can have a pretty good memory and the, there's been, it's very difficult as a business owner um, to always be the cheerleader or make the right positive decision or even just answer someone's question in the right tone of voice. Uh, you have to turn off a lot of things that are peripheral coming to your day that could lead you, persuade you to do the wrong thing or make the wrong decision. Um, I, one instance, a, a young painter who had been with us for only maybe all, maybe about half a year, and we were just coming out of the winter months, and I wasn't ready to give raises uh, to the company uh, for another month or two, as we got into our busy season in spring, where I try to give raises out for retention purposes. And this young painter came to me and he's like, I need more money. And I'm like, buddy, like not now, like it's, you're, it's two months early. I'm not giving any raises out. And I just stopped there and I had been dealing with other financial communication issues. And I was already frustrated at that point. It was in the morning also which is a really bad time to ask a boss for anything because we are the most aggressive, A-type personality, people that are dealing with the most crap you could ever load on someone on in the morning, especially a Monday morning. So it was very young decision for him to come up and ask me for a raise on a Monday morning. But at the same time, I wish I had a little bit more emotional intelligence to, to come back and give him a different answer a different way because he did leave us and I really needed him. It was, it did not work out well for me. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. It's good on your, your part as well to realize that. Um, is that, is that how long ago was that? I imagine you've grown since then. Oh God, that was just, it wasn't that long ago. I want to say, I think that was just right after COVID. So we're going just to 20, like winter of 2021. And we had a gangbuster year, but I had just paid people out of my pocket to keep them, you know, keep their grocery bills paid uh, during the pandemic. And I, I just didn't have it, you know, the bandwidth to look at 2021 positively. And we really yeah. needed people. But I, I you know I should have given the kid the raise. Looking back, he had me. <laughs> well, that that also says something. I I thought you were going to say ten years ago or fifteen years ago, but it also says something right. about you after doing business for twenty five years. And you know, I don't know how you did that because I know you're only like thirty five years old. But um, <laughs> but to still be learning and still be growing and being able to like humbly say like, yeah, I could have done, I could have handled that better. That's a I mean, that's a hallmark of a business owner that's going to, that's doing well is, is the ability to learn along the way. And it's sometimes hard to learn from the interactions with immature employees as well, um, to, to, to own a P to own your part of it. Well, the older you get, the more camp counselor you become. Everyone's getting a lot younger coming into the company and you're just getting older. 
Okay. And yeah, um, I've sometimes described it as being a parent, but I think the camp counselor is probably a little more accurate. Yeah, it, it could go both ways. Parent, camp counselor. You know, another thing is, you know, when you have a, sometimes I've had, I've had three great employees, uh, just, um, leave, uh, hands-on painters, start off, start their own companies and become, hold on here, be competitors, you know, um, which is going to happen. And, you know, I found that, uh, there's some, I can kind of persuade not to go off on their own and stay with us. But the ones I can't, I keep relationships with and try to make them friendly competitors that we can, uh, trade work back and forth with moving forward, because if they're going to be entrepreneurial, I'm never going to keep them underneath our wings and I got to let them, let them go. But I want to be like, Hey, I've got a job that doesn't fit our bill, but I think it's good for you. Here's that lead. And I want them to turn around and say the same thing to us moving forward. Um, they might have a job that's too big or they want to partner with us or they just want to give to us because we gave them some other jobs. Um, so I've been very aware, um, that as business as mature businesses mature and people mature, um, you have to be open to that and not try to fight it because you can't control everything. Uh, it's difficult to control everything. You're going to lose that game. A fish doesn't know that it's in water. And, you know, when you're a younger business owner 25 years ago uh, compared to now, um, what is what is what is the water that you live in? What is the lens? I mean, people probably come up to you and, and present a big problem. But like to you, your heart rate doesn't even spike a little bit because um, of how many years you've had in the business. You've heard everything by now. Um, I guess what I'm asking is what's next? You, you've heard all the problems. You've, you've gone through all the employees. You've created a good business structure. What's next for you? It's a good question. Um, I've thought about this a lot. And next doesn't have to be business driven next for someone in their fifties needs to be kind of final chapter management. How do I want to spend my next 30 years using it to the best of my ability to make the people around me the happiest? Um, Hands on painters can continue as its own entity with less and less involvement from me. Uh, my kids are getting to the at age level where they need a father more and more. And my wife, who's been home uh, with four children for a very long time, wants to continue with her career. So really, it's a holistic approach for me as a father and a business owner and as a, as a husband to uh, maybe be okay with hands-on painters. I want to say stagnating, but maybe fine-tuning, but not growing. Uh, kind of accepting that I'm happy where we are now and the energies that I have left and time I have left need to be dedicated to other resources that need me the most. So that's kind of like your kids I'm looking at. Yeah, no, that's super admirable and self-aware because a lot of people, a lot of people get stuck in that race and they just keep going and going and going and they don't realize that the thing that they actually believe is most important in their life starts to suffer. Right. And I've, it's, um, you know, there's been peaks and valleys, 
we talked about mountain biking, how, you know, we've met through mountain biking and out love for the outdoors. I've gone two years without touching a mountain bike just to grow the company. But then I've spent two years mountain biking intensely and paid very little attention to the company. <laughs> so um, it, you, you got to do what's right for you at the right time. And, uh, you know, that balance is super, super, super important. What lessons did you learn from COVID? Because did you work harder and during COVID? Um, did you work way less because you just were handcuffed? Um, I, I like the entrepreneur's uh, perspective on that because, like, for me, I had to work way harder um, just to keep the ship moving. Um, some people just stopped and there was government assistance and blah, blah. Um what was your what is your perspective of covid um and the effects it had on your business and maybe your energy levels towards that did you come out of covid more tired because you worked hard that kind of thing i mean covid was definitely a curveball for everyone um my little company we had to retool we had to retrain um we ended up losing some key staff a logistics coordinator back office manager um, and eventually a, uh, a third business partner that we had directly and indirectly because of COVID. Um, I don't know what happened with you, Ryan, but I got really good at government websites and filling out documentations and working with my bookkeeper to come up <laughs> with some type of numbers that people wanted to see. Um, and I did my best to um, uh, be fair, not only to the company, but to my employees, but also I, I don't want to say like, crazily patriotic, but to my country too. I mean, I, I really had a, I had to really rethink about, you know, what money we deserve as a company. Um, my employees deserve what I needed. You know, that took a lot of, uh, a lot of work. You know, when you get into the trenches with something like COVID that affects everyone, you know, you know, across the board, you just got to put one step in front of the other and get up the next morning and show up at that office and turn on that computer and just start figuring out what you got to do. Uh, that's what we did. And it worked out for us. Um, I've been through two major recessions in my life, a pandemic, a uh, tech crash, housing, two housing market crashes. Um, I feel like I, I'm pretty good. I think I got enough crashes and turmoil in the last 27 years, actually, of doing this. But we downsize, we fine-tuned, we're more profitable as a smaller company. Um, we eliminated, I wouldn't call waste, but we eliminated um, certain systems that were for a company that was going to grow exponentially over time and because we weren't going to need those systems anymore. And our life got very simple. Almost a little boring right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, boring's good because it sounds like boring is where you want to be so you can spend more time other places. <laughs> Just absolutely. Um, earlier when we were talking, we talked about um, itemization. Um, I think that's one thing you do really well. You know your numbers well. Um, that is one of the praises the contractors had for us. Um, um, I didn't know Jonathan ahead of time of this podcast, but when I popped on. I was like, Oh, I know you. Um, cause I bidded a heating and air conditioning project and you were bidding the, um, um, painting project of the, of the house that burned down in Catonsville. And, um, 
the praise the contractor had for you was you knew your numbers very well and that you're not afraid to itemize things. So I think there's some real value in that because a lot of people get offended when they say, hey, can you break this down for me? How do you break it down? Why do you break it down? Um, And do you think that helps make you different? When I walk into an estimate, um, I listen a lot to the client. I won't write a single note until I have them show me pretty much everything they need to show me and tell me everything they want, you know, they want to tell me. And once that's exasperated, I'll start asking my questions and, and I'll try to uh, dig a little deeper into their project that maybe some other contractors might not uh, jump into or painting contractors. Um, uh, and this will allow me to give them options so if someone has a $3,000 budget, but they have $6,000 taste, I can explain to them in detail the difference between the $3,000 and the $6,000, exactly what they're going to get for that. And then they can have an a la carte menu in front of them on their screen, printed estimate, and they can just cross off what they don't want and keep what they, what they do want. It also makes it very efficient for us in the office. If I've itemized and given them all the information they need, then when they come back with their wish list on that menu, I've, I've supplied to them. They can just literally cross off what they want, make their own number. We confirm it, contract set, ready to roll. Guys are rolling in their trucks, showing up their house to do the work. It's quicker, it's efficient, and it leaves a lot less gray area for assumption and questioning. Do your competitors do that, itemize things, or is it mainly um, something that makes you different? Um, so my top five competitors probably itemize pretty well. Um, I know them. A lot of them are friendly competitors. I got to lunch with, we use the same QuickBooks programs. We use the same kind of estimating tools. Um, we've been around a long time. I'm sure they're very good at itemizing. Um, what we have done though, I have literally 27 years of estimates in a file and in hard copies and project folder. So it's nice. I can go back. If you paint your house 15 years ago and you're trying to figure out that Wedgwood blue that you use in your dining room, I got it. I got that file and I can grab it. Might take a little digging, but I'll get it. <laughs> and um, that's one thing that kind of makes me happy when people call back and they're looking for something. I'm like, I'll find it for you. Don't worry. I know you threw that can away. I got <laughs> you. And talk about um, you know, the friendly competitor thing. Um, because I do the same thing. I have friendly competitors as well. And I think it's very valuable. I have not so friendly competitors as well. Um, but tell me about that friendly, um, what that relationship looks like, maybe how it got started. Well, you know, a friendly competitor is someone that's probably of, well, I don't want to say of equal size company, but someone who understands that, um, you're going to, you're going to exist in the same space. So it's better to coexist. Um, I have competitors that we, uh, we can share employees. If one guy's slow, one guy's busy, um, with the respect that that employee comes back to, you know, the initial employer after that time frame. um, we've uh, given jobs to each other. Um, we, (laughs) the best thing is to go out to lunch with a friendly competitor and just have someone to debrief with because there are very few painting contractors in my world. There's a million lawyers. There's a ton of doctors. There's teachers everywhere. But I got to tell you, there might be three painting contractors and one in particular that I can say, 
we have the same life and we can just kind of just let it all out and, 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 and really get it, you know, <laughs> be like, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and it feels good. Um, that no, someone can, uh, uh, is experiencing the same life that you are. Uh, so that, that's the best part of it. A good lunch and a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of talking. Yeah, that's, that's, that's huge. That's huge in any, um, local business, um, to be able to have the confidence to say, I, I'm going to explore a, you know, a friendship with you. Um, I'm not going to feel threatened by you. Um, in automotive, like I, I love being able to pick up the phone and call the guy, you know, 10 miles down the road and say, Hey, there's a tool that I need that I know that you have. Can I come borrow it? And sure. Yeah. Come on down and borrow that tool. Um, and then when we got too busy, we could send it, send, send work their way or when some, you know, in order to have good company culture, there was a couple of years where in our business where we just closed down for a whole week to, to let everyone go take vacation at the same time. And, um, when you close down for a whole week and you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with emergencies from clients, I needed to have a number. I was like, Hey, call, go call my friend down the road here. Um, he can take care of you in a pinch. And that was, that was huge. And, and to realize like that doesn't take away that adds somehow in the grand scheme of things, things that adds, um, not takes away from your business. You know, you said something there, it's a little bit of a tangent, but you closed down for a week at the same time. So everyone can take a vacation. Right. I call that the Chick-fil-A effect because Chick-fil-A co- closes down every Sunday, no matter what yeah. it is for religious purposes, supposedly, but for whatever reason they do it, I think it's great. I, I think that every business should, um, should have, uh, that, that, that resting day, um, mm. that time period where they get a break, they get to walk away from what they do and uh, take care of, you know, other needs. If it's rest and relaxation, if it's exercise, if it's doing something with your kids or your house. Um, So I give you a lot of kudos for having a full shutdown week. And that's something I've always wanted to do. I (laughs) I always want, Christmas to New Year's has always been the week I've always wanted to do it, but we always had these um, facilities that needed to be painted because they're shut down also. Mm, um, yeah, that, there, there's, a, a, there's a positive and negative to it, right? Some employees are like, ah, don't tell me what week I want to take my, you know, my, my vacation. Um, cause yep. it's, there's so many family logistics that go in, you know, you got the, you got the retiree that wants to do something, you know, in, in the winter with his spouse. And then you got the guy with three kids that doesn't want to take any time off during the winter while school's happening. They want to, they want theirs during the summer, during that specific week. So there's definitely positives and negatives saying that we're going to close down. Um, I, I think actually when we were, when we were bigger and, and better systems in place, it was just great to give people vacation, to use it how you, you wanted to, as long as you, yeah. you got, you got to get those people that you have to encourage to take that time though. Cause, um, cause what you said is really important when you take that time, however it is, whether it's a week vacation or it's, you know, time off, it sharpens you and actually makes the company better. But then you have those employees that, that actually need to be encouraged to take the time off because it will make them better. It will sharpen them and it will help the overall company. So you, as part of company culture training is just like, yeah, take that time, go and do that. My, my wife's company, she, uh, she, she, she works remote and all of her employees work remote and her, her boss is constantly turning his video camera on and, and, um, uh, during meetings, turning his video camera on and, and they realize that he's in Mexico. 
Um, and he's encouraging them, hey, you work remote. You can work from wherever. Look where I'm working from. Encourages employees to go and do that. You do not, do not have to be held up in your basement like you have been for the last couple of years. That's awesome. So, so we talked earlier, uh, Jonathan, about um, your last steps and the different view you have. So is your goal to sell the business or to allow it to run itself and pass it off to a kid, um, allow it run itself and it just windles its way down until you're ready? What, what, what are you thinking? I can tell you what I don't want to happen. It was the last thing just said is that it just runs itself and dwindles into, you know, nothing. It just shuts, shuts. I would, I'd like the hands-on uh, name to go on because I think we definitely started something. Uh, we started something really great here. Uh, we have a really well-run organized company that um, services a lot of people. And I don't want that ever to stop. The, that chapter has yet to be written only because uh, a lot of things have changed. And even just since COVID, um, you know, one of my business partners has a young family. Uh, he's my age. Uh, he's going to be doing this for a long time. Um, I've got some guys in the field that could probably come up in the ranks to more in-house management um, and logistics. Um, and they're going to need to, because, technicians age out of field work just physically. And that's going to be something that I'm dealing with. Um, I've already dealt with is an aging technician uh, demographic within my company. Uh, gentlemen. Um, and I say gentlemen because we have, you know, almost all male um, technicians, but you know, they came in at 20, 25 and now they're in the late forties, fifties. Cause we've been, you know, open so long and what are they going to do? Cause eventually they're going to not be able to load the ladders up and climb as well and, mm. and handle the physical constraints of, you know, a job like this. So then there's the, the part of having, I've got four, I've got four children. Um, I can't say that I would inspire any of them to take over the family business. But if someone had the entrepreneurial spirit and they showed interest, then I would grab onto that. Okay. And how old are cool. your kids? <laughs> I've got a 17 year old daughter who's graduating from high school this year. I've got a 14 year old son, his freshman year, and I've got twin 11 year old fifth graders. Oh, wow. So I've still got a ways to go. <laughs> Sounds like, but, Hey, I have a degree. Like I said, I have a degree in psychology. I came out of school with no interest ever doing anything in psychology. <laughs> like, you know, teaching, <laughs> man, teaching. I was an outdoor ed, you know, experiential education teacher, kind of like outward bound type guy. Um, and I enjoyed being out in the woods, climbing mountains and, you know, and leading groups of kids around. That was a blast. But, um, you know, when I got out of that, I just knew there's two things I wanted to do in life. And one was to be an actor or to start <laughs> a business at the back of my truck. Okay. <laughs> that was it. They're very different things. <laughs> and very early in my life in high school, I was on stage with a woman named Megan Lawrence, who we were doing a chorus line and she got up and she sang a solo 
that put chills down my spine while I was on stage with her. She went on to be nominated for a Tony Pajama Games in on Broadway. There was a difference between good and great. She was great. I was <laughs> barely good. <laughs> so truck, shovel, back of my truck, you know, start a company. <laughs> that was definitely in my in my wheelhouse. Even in college, I knew it. I, I, I didn't care what I did in college. I just wanted to get through it. But so I was going to start doing something. I love doing this podcast because, like, I've been friends with you for a while. I didn't know I didn't know your origin story. I didn't know that you were a psychology major that got that, that started a business. I didn't I didn't know that you sang in a chorus line for sure. I would never have guessed that. <laughs> I, I was I had the monologue. I didn't. I was not the singer. Okay, Megan was the singer. Thank I was going to say I was going to ask you if you could like close us out with a song or something. That'd be awesome. No. Uh, no. But uh, as we kind of like wrap it up a little bit, I just wanted to, you know, I'm sitting here thinking one is like, is, is if you had any words of wisdom for someone who's starting a business or maybe they're, they're, they're one guy in a truck and they're starting to grow um, and, and, and whether or not this ties in or not, the other thing that was in my mind is like, what is your current challenges that you're like, what's the big challenge that you have in front of you right now? Oh, so those boy. are two two different questions, but two that's kind of what I wanted to this. ask. Let's do this. Let's go back to the guy on the truck. Um, okay. If you got a truck and a shovel, you got a job. Let's just start with that. You're never going to starve. You're going to have what you need, and you're going to be able to provide. If you hate working for other people, if you don't, if you want to be your own boss, um, if you want to live your your life on on your own terms. Start a company, all right? It's not the easiest route. It's, 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 it's harder than many routes. But if that's the way you're going to exist on this planet, um, pick up that shovel, grab your truck, that computer, that tool, whatever skill set you have, and go out and start your own company. Go find someone that's going to hire you and stick to it. Live and breathe it. Uh, wake up in the morning early, fall asleep on the couch, on your computer at night, doing work. You knew you do that for five to six years, you're going to look back 25, 30 years later, and you're going to be really happy that you did that work. Um, because you're going to be able to, you're going to, have a, you're going to be living by a different set of rules than the people around you, the people that have to get up and go work for someone else. And, and at the end of the day, that's why you do it. Uh, you don't do it just for the money or just uh, to be a boss. You do it because you want to live by your own set of rules and what you're going to do with your time while you're here. And, uh, I think that's the most important thing. And if you don't, if that's not important to you, do not be your own boss. Enjoy the luxury of working for someone else and having them deal with the daily grind and problems that come with it. Challenges. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I mean, I want to stay. That's it. I just, you know, that's the biggest challenge. Stay healthy. Keep your mind healthy. Keep your body healthy. You know, make sure you're, your bank account is 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 uh, is looked after, and uh, and be fair. Just be fair to people. You know, uh, I, um, that's it. That's that's the biggest challenge every day. Just doing that. Heard that. Cool. Well, um, thank you, Jonathan, for coming here. Um, you have a nickname. It's also Jay Z. And that's it, everybody. We'll see you later. Thank you very much. Um, 
We appreciate it. Well, we got we got we got to yeah. find out how to stay in contact with John. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where, where where do you want people to uh, to go if they want to know more about your company or stay connected with you? You can always go to www.handsonpainters.com and check out our website. You can always email us at info at handsonpainters.com. And you could go old school and give us a ring at 410-242-1737. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Awesome. Awesome, man. I thought you were going to say they could write you a handwritten letter or something. That'd be no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> All, right. All right, man. Well, thanks for being with us. Um, I know people are going to hear, uh, learn a lot from your story. Um, cause you're, you're a guy that I wouldn't say that you're at the end of this journey. You're, you're entering another phase of your journey of, of running a business, but you've done it well. Um, what I got from you is that you care a lot about the craft um, again, there's not a lot of painting companies out there. Um, but you're, you care a lot about the craft of what you do to connect people with the service that you have, but, the, but you also care a lot about your employees and that can that, that comes through in the way you talk about them and the way, um, you talk about leading them and how you're still learning. So, um, it's as you said, it's a road that not a lot of people um, go down, or go down. Not a lot of people go down with their eyes wide open to the responsibilities and um, the challenges that are that are coming. But but it's very rewarding. So thanks for sharing your story. I think a lot of people will get something out of it. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm.